Welcome back to Probably About Politics. The pauses are getting more dramatic, and this <laughs> legislation is getting more impactful. It's a big, big week. It is. This is a, a lot of history we're trying to cover right now. <laughs> we are introducing, I guess, now Probably About Politics Explains Landmark Legislation. Let's call it that. Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so today we'll be talking about... I want to say the Canada Health Act, but not necessarily just the Canada Health Act. We'll be talking about <laughs> kind of what led up to the Canada Health Act, what the Canada Health Act is, what it does, how it's financed. And if that sounds boring, it's not because mm-hmm. universal health care in Canada started in the prairies, which were vehemently against universal pharmacare in Canada in this past election. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. a, a difference that, you know, 70 years can make yeah i think it i think the whole story like the whole story of trying to get the canada health act and 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 canadian healthcare is like well we were there and we were on board and now we're not on board anymore we want something different and you know things take a long time and people change their minds and so we'll kind of be going through let's say 80 years of history Mm -hmm. kaylee start us off when you were born 1904 oh the young nation of Canada is about to be sucked into World War One in, in, in just yeah. 10 short years. <laughs> no. Um, so, okay. Let's maybe start where we are already. Mm-hmm. We've got we've got pretty much universal health care in most ways in Canada, right? Like yeah. 70% yeah. of all health care costs that are accrued by Canadians, permanent residents, are covered by the government in some, mm-hmm. in some form. The 30% that aren't are mostly eye doctors, dentistry, and uh, pharmaceuticals. Uh, And the majority of that 30% is covered by uh, private insurance, which is generally provided by employers in Canada. Mm -hmm. Um, Notably, a lot of mental health uh, services are not covered. And that was kind of talked about in 1984 too, when the Canada (laughs) Health Act was adopted and uh, (laughs) the previous act was expanded. But we generally do have healthcare, universal healthcare in Canada. It's single. Pay, it's a single payer model. Don't have pharmacare. Yeah. And Kaylee, can you explain to us what a single payer model is, <laughs> and how we get pretty good health outcomes despite having pretty average wait times and pretty much average costs, less than five thousand dollars per capita? Well, uh, <laughs> they, I can sort of <laughs> explain the single payer health system, but it, it basically it's. We put the, the there is a set amount of money we we get to act as like a large buyer basically on yes. everything to negotiate. Um, it's financed by taxes and is run by one entity basically as a, mm-hmm. a single payer health insurance system. Um, and so if you're one buyer, you have a lot more negotiating power on the price that mm-hmm. you're going to pay for pharmaceuticals or your medical services or whatever it is that your single payer health insurance system is going to cover. Yes. Um, and then all citizens are provided underneath sort of a, a, a that level of healthcare access uh, that they're willing to pay for. Um, wait time, like things like wait times are sort of, I mean, like we, I think lots of people have heard like Americans sort of talking about like, oh, but the wait times are so long. Or, they're not even or that's that. sort of, like they they're not average yeah. in OECD countries. <laughs> yeah. And, and. It, yeah, every in every every way, the healthcare system, the Canadian healthcare system, performs pretty well. Like mm-hmm. it, compared to other countries who are spending as much or more money on um, socialized medicine or single payer healthcare systems. Especially um, on that point, 
of wait times in Canada compared to the United States. Canadian wait times are really good for uh, like required procedures, but for elected procedures, mm-hmm. that's where there's wait times just because, and those wait times are there on purpose, right? Yeah. Because these procedures are rationed by the government because they say mm-hmm. that we have this fixed amount of money to spend and mm-hmm. we are going to prioritize things that are important. Yes. <laughs> and that is a good thing. I mean, ideally, there would be no wait times ever and everybody would have perfect health all the time. But that can't happen. Yeah. Probably right now. The, yeah. And so it's like a choice need, of cost. Yeah. yeah. So if you need like a cataract removal surgery, you're going to have to wait for that. But if you need like a heart transplant, okay, you're going to have to wait for the heart, <laughs> uh, unfortunately. <laughs> but uh, if you need like some sort of like cancer surgery, um, mm-hmm. it happens very pretty rapidly yeah it's it, yeah private it's basically a prioritization based on need and if we wanted to spend more money mm-hmm. to reduce rate wait times we could but then it's like it's a calculation that the canadian government makes about how much we're gonna and and, and you know the experts that inform them i presumably and the voters opinion about how much time we want to spend waiting and if we didn't want to wait yeah. as much time as we are we we could pay more and not wait that much but it's sort of like the balance of of what was value like a value to us and so in theory you've a now some canadians might not like this fact but you've technically <laughs> agreed to wait this amount of time and if because that's how much we're willing to pay well we might not have agreed to that i mean as well, a collective we've agreed to that some people may have yes, voted yeah. for spending more and having shorter wait times um yeah it's crazy that you say you know the government consults expert opinions and then <laughs> the voters opinions and hey, you know what? <laughs> Democracy is great. <laughs> it's the best well, thing we yeah. have. But come on. <laughs> I mean, it's it's uh yeah. They they present the opinions. In theory, they're presenting the opinions that they have gathered um, that inform the basis of their policy, and then we get to decide if that's a good idea. But yeah, it's yes. yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cheap. It's pretty good. Um, Canadians are exceptionally healthy people. <laughs> <laughs> as as a population, Canada is a very healthy country. But Canada was not always this way. There were no. uh, high infant mortality rates in the early 1900s, um, low life expectancy. Now, I mean, a lot of this had to do, and I think we'll talk about this, with the Great Depression's impact on Canada and also World War One and Two, and the health outcomes that were led to by um, these kind of catastrophic events. And also how these catastrophic events can kind of shape a nation for a hundred years in the health policy yeah. that it uh, then <laughs> um, spurs into motion. Um, so, do we want to get into the history of kind of how how it happened, or do we want to work backwards a little bit from from where we are right now? Um, I think it's it's kind of useful to like lay out like I guess I think it's always I don't know that like when I was in my uh canadian uh uh history of canadian politics class we had to like memorize the five principles of the canadian health act and i think that's like a good basis for like a good it's it is useful to understand that like this is sort of the they had to set up these principles uh and that this is what the idea of our healthcare system is based on that yeah. you sh- so we could start we could start there and then sort of by laying that out and going, I think, going back into history and seeing what was available or how it was working before. It's a, it's a sharp contrast. Okay. So, Kaylee, since you've now dropped the bombshell that you have 
professional training in. <laughs> <laughs> this is. T- I, I want you to know that after the five principles of Canada Health Act, I had to do all reading because I I'm not a Canadian health <laughs> healthcare expert <laughs> at all. Like this is this is the only thing that they made us memorize. <laughs> okay, so pop quiz, Kaylee, give us the five pillars of the Canadian Health Act: uh, public administration, comprehensiveness, uh, universality, accessibility, and portability. Um, so I guess we could talk about more specifically what that actually means, but that is me being able to list all five of them. I saw your eyes dart down to your computer, but okay. (laughs) Oh, look, I have the, I have the principles, what the principles are written out, but I didn't uh, write down what, or, um, so the, yeah, let's, I mean, everybody starts with public administration. You started it on, on your list of five there. Mm-hmm. So, why is that a pillar, <laughs> and what does it mean? <laughs> uh, basically, the provincial and territorial plans must be administrated and operated um, on a non-profit basis by a public authority that then is accountable to the provincial government or or in the territories the territorial government. So, yeah, your, your hospitals uh, must be provincially run and administered. Um, and and you ha- and they have to be able to answer back to the government. So uh, if the service isn't being provided properly, they answer then effectively to the voter as well. Yeah. Okay. So this is an interesting point, right? Is that mm-hmm. in Canada we have a public funding of healthcare mm-hmm. and a lot of it, and public administration, but the delivery of a lot of healthcare is private in Canada, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. private doctors' practices and whatnot um but the administration is public even though you have private people with their own clinics Mm -hmm. doing their own thing yes and those private clinics can charge you for things Mm -hmm. yes um (laughs) uh especially if you're out of province or uh they can charge you for kind of like elective things like doctor's notes or um they can there's like uh like comprehensive like access fees that they can just like charge you for just like not required things for the whole year they're like we'll give you uh updates for when your uh next appointment's gonna be and they're just like and then they just charge you for that yeah (laughs) or prescription refills over the phone and stuff (laughs) like they just like charge you for dumb things but you don't have to pay for that because they have to offer it they have to offer like a free way to get all this stuff but they'll Mm -hmm. uh, offer these like convenience-based things Um, yeah which are and, and that has yeah I, I, and i think we'll get to it when we sort of talk <laughs> about the why the canada health act and one of the big points of the canada health act coming in uh but it's a lot about uh yeah because your province gets to decide sort of what um what comprehensiveness exactly means it, to a certain degree they get mm-hmm. to decide what is medically necessary versus not medically necessary which is sort of the the area of flexibility that uh, there's a lot of areas of flex like the public how public administration looks provincially is different province to pro- like can be different province to province i'm sure there's a lot of similarities mm-hmm. uh, but they they get pretty much at, at, at all of these levels the province gets a certain amount of say of how that looks yeah. Um, and so public administration is the realm of the, which is the, it's a difficult battle. Part of the struggle with founding, uh, Canadian, uh, healthcare is that the federal government really doesn't have a lot of the power over that because the power was divided, um, up so that the provinces took most of healthcare. 
And so do you want to just touch on the difference between the um, functions of the federal government in this? Because this is federal legislation that we're generally talking mm-hmm. about today. Um, but the provinces administer it. And there's just kind of a standard of care laid out by the federal government. And they just say, we're not giving you money unless you <laughs> in like Canada Health transfers. Otherwise. Yes. So this is why I, the history of, I think like talking about how, how long the history of like healthcare in Canada and getting to this point is important because it really comes down to the British North America act of 1867. <laughs> <laughs> Um, because uh, Section 92 uh, uh, made the provinces responsible for hospitals, asylums, charities, uh, elomonasary institutions, and left uh, international quarantine, care of the sick seamen, aboriginal peoples, and members of the armed services to the federal, uh, as well as control of narcotics to the federal government. Weird choice, eh? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah. And you can see there is a Bit of, like because yeah. you sort of want to get more local with hospitals, um, so you can see why there is that logic, and then the international, um, if there's going to be like a a mass uh, outbreak of a disease or something like that, you can see how then that gets like elevated. We need a national plan for that, but mm-hmm. provincially we want to try and run our hospitals and institution medical institutions. I mean, you say more local but how local really was like the entirety of a province in 1867 when all we had was like a telegraph like were those around yeah (laughs) so and 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 like in that time you would have seen a lot of like cities or like rural communities also making their own health plans to be even more specific like creating health insurance programs for their citizens to try and make sure that people have access. And that's sort of where you see it, it kind of developing. A lot of healthcare initially started very, very locally to try mm-hmm. and manage it. And then the provinces became necessary. And then the federal government became necessary to sort of expand it upward. Yes. Okay. So public administration. So um, we and have then we're comprehensiveness? four more to go. <laughs> comprehensiveness <laughs> to go. Uh, yeah. So basically uh, all medically necessary services, uh, provided by the hospital, uh, medical pr- practitioners, and dentists working within a hospital, sent, like they all have to be provided and insured uh, within the hospital setting, basically. Yes, because if they're medically necessary, there's a weird distinction in Canada where mm-hmm. it matters where the service is delivered. Yes. And a lot of it is based around physicians in hospitals. And if you're not mm-hmm. in a hospital, it might not be covered. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, that's, yeah, because private practices are essentially allowed to exist and they can build, like, as we said, they build back to the government and uh, based on medically necessary versus non-medically necessary, I guess. Yeah. And this that's is something that is potentially being looked at now, right? Is this issue of yeah. having to have something happen in a hospital and whether or not that's even necessarily the best place to administer healthcare? Or more mm-hmm. community-based approaches could provide better outcomes for less money. Um, but we're still in, what, what year are we in here right now? 1984, going through these pillars <laughs> and also previous to that. So, <laughs> But it, I, it does come back to sort of, yeah, the previous, like, the sort of what led to a lot of the health uh, uh, policy that we have today is the challenge of how do you provide 
medical services in urban settings? How do you provide medical services in rural settings? And then how do you make sure that everybody in Canada is getting equal medical services? Mm-hmm. So maybe, I mean, I'm not a professional, so I don't know, but maybe hospitals are really great in all urban settings. We should have lots of hospitals, but maybe in rural settings, it would be better to have, because it's so widely disturbed distributed and it would take you maybe hours to get to the nearest hospital more community uh center health centers that could service uh uh, service more less urgent needs but still medically necessary needs closer to you and having lots of them would be better so it's about yeah the ability to like administer that has always been the challenge and and the bill of the like what is the best approach i think is 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 a challenge in a country that's as big as canada i guess all right so it's administered publicly it's comprehensive and what's the difference between comprehensiveness and universality because those seem like two of the same words (laughs) (laughs) um the plans must entitle all insured persons to health insurance coverage um, under like fair and equal terms hmm. um so it's it that's uh, yeah that's a point that like is more like everybody in canada like deserves access and that and that's why it's been you know there's several uh classifications of refugees and permanent residents that also get health insurance yeah because of the the under the principle of universality <laughs> so comprehensiveness is everything universality is everyone Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty okay. much. Even though it's um, not really yeah. for everything, it's not really for everything, but <laughs> yeah. close enough. I mean, there are exceptions <laughs> to every rule, I suppose. But the uh, um, and then accessibility: all insured persons must have uh, reasonable access to medically necessary hospital and physician services uh, mm-hmm. without a financial or other barrier. Um, yeah, so it needs to be accessible um, to regardless of your, which like you can see how very easily how comprehensive universality accessibility, like they all really tie to each yeah. other in terms of just everybody needs to be able to get health uh, access to healthcare. Um, and then portability is the ability of all insured persons, no matter where they are in a uh, province or territory uh, or when they travel abroad, which is also an important note mm-hmm. uh, to access uh uh, health care services and for that should be evenly applied across the entire country okay so we've got our five pillars and these five pillars came were around prior to the canada health act of 1984 these were mm-hmm. around since like 1964 right yeah i yeah tommy douglas was saying these things in the 1950s i think so yeah uh, the idea is has been pretty agreed upon and so Okay, do we want to talk a little bit about politicians now? Do we want to mention Pierre Trudeau, Lester B. Pearson, and Tommy Douglas? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, they're all uh, they're all very important to the, the story of Canadian healthcare. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Tommy Douglas is the greatest Canadian. Really? Did, Did you, you actually win that? that? Yeah, he, he, I think he won the greatest Canadian. Wow. I'm 90% sure he won I thought it. Don Cherry won the greatest Canadian. No, I think Don Cherry came in like second or third. <laughs> One of the Wayne Gretzky did very well as well, but probably about politics. Publicly endorsed greatest Canadian Tommy Douglas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but yeah. So I guess are we? It's, he was. I think it's interesting to like think about because I think like when you think Tommy Douglas and like introducing healthcare. I feel like maybe some people sort of imagine that this happened at a federal level, like, cause he did have a, a federal, a career in federal politics for, for a while. Mm-hmm. But it's like, I think it's, it's kind of like cool to really mention, like, this was Saskatchewan. He was the premier of Saskatchewan. It was provincially yes. led that 
the sort of kicked off the idea. Um, and I mean, not to say that like, so Saskatchewan kind of is the province that gets a lot of the credit, but many pro like British Columbia and Alberta had also, um, introduced, uh, plans that just didn't uh, stick in the same way. And eventually like all the provinces were coming up with ideas, none maybe that look none that looked as close to what we have now as, as the Saskatchewan government in 19 in the 1950s yeah uh early not late 1940s late, so 1947 late, late ni- 1947 right yes yeah, yeah. Tommy right. Douglas yeah. uh come on Kayla I thought you were the one that was professionally trained in this I, I said mean, I, I memorized the these four specific dates right before we started recording this come on <laughs> I know the era yeah so Tommy Douglas uh as premier of saskatchewan is like hey everybody you should go to be you should be able to go to hospitals and do your thing mm-hmm. it's gonna cost a lot mm-hmm. of money but whatever i don't care yeah and, and then uh, and then alberta similar thing and then louis saint laurent who is a prime minister who i feel like nobody ever talks about i yeah. would <laughs> yeah. if you had asked me i would have imagined that saint laurent was prime minister way before the 1950s in like 1890 or something i it would have been my yeah. guess but he is like, hey, you know what? Okay, as prime minister, I mean, not him, the government of Canada with him as prime minister <laughs> decided that uh, now every province was going to have just 50% of costs covered by the federal mm-hmm. government. And then so Tommy Douglas is like in Saskatchewan. He's like, yo, nice. Yeah. Now we got this thing. It's like 50% cheaper, but never mind. It's not going to be 50% cheaper. We're going to spend the same amount. We're just going to do more. We're going to take 50% from the federal government. We're going to put our same 100% in, but now it's 50%. <laughs> so we're going to do, so we're going to be able to do more stuff. Yeah. I, I think that's like, it's, it's also like a really, um, like an interest. It's, it's a really interesting way to look at how the federal government could, um, introduce comp- things that we want to be na- nationwide by you know saying here's the money to do it it's provincial jurisdiction you guys figure out how you're going to implement it um and 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 then that really that because you can see immediately that that kicked off for a lot um, most of the provinces were thinking about what to do with the the 50 percent uh yeah support from the federal government and so it was that original legislation by saint laurent the hospital insurance and diagnostic mm-hmm. services act that mm-hmm. was the yeah. first federal legislation for healthcare mm-hmm. that had those five principles in it that we talked about that are still yes. used in the Canada Health Act. We had those five principles within a few years, within one term of office, all the provinces signed on. They were doing this thing. They were getting the 50% of costs covered uh, because they were now mm-hmm. um, aligned with those five pillars as well at a provincial level. Mm-hmm. And then there's a period of quiet, quietude yes. until Lester B. Pearson <laughs> comes on the scene. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's because you see the sort of in that period of time, like there's a lot of uh, like when I was reading through like this long timeline of Mm -hmm. there's so much going back and forth of like of doctors and and medical professionals being like, this is a great idea. Let's do it. And then also being like, no, never mind. We don't think this is a good idea anymore. (laughs) Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. And so it it is a situation of like uh, of, of some doctors being like, yes, for like the public health, this is a great thing to do. And then other doctors being like, ah, but for like our individual wealth and, uh, or, or this, you know, the, uh, concerns about what happens once you introduce a government, um, 
to the healthcare system? Like, mm-hmm. will it, you know, un- undermine the, the capabilities of the doctors and, and uh, bury them in bureaucracy um, and, and, and other challenges that sort of, I think you hear a lot of in the healthcare debate, maybe south of the border in the U.S. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you screw it, it up, <laughs> it's not good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> so the, so there, it took a long time. It took a long time to get to, again, to, there would be these big lulls in the conversation because you, you really, in any sort of like federal legislation, you really have to like gear up a lot. And then it's like, go, 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 go. And then you get it done. And then there can be a real setback. Or if you don't get it done, you might have to wait another five or 10 years before uh, a government comes in with the momentum to do it. Yeah. And so this kind of what a government can do and Mm-hmm. things being timed at the right time and how important mm-hmm. that is in government. Yeah. So we had this, we had Sailor do this with a majority uh, liberal government, right? Yeah. Pass yeah. the HIDS. And then mm-hmm. you get uh, Lester B. Pearson mm-hmm. um, having the Medical Care Act, which just kind of extends the HIDS, right? Yes. Yeah. And then the really like the, the big new Medicare happens in the 80s with a minority government mm-hmm. with Pierre yes, Trudeau. Yes, yeah. Yes. Uh, and uh, NDP supported. And so this is kind of like Tommy Douglas noted NDP even though mm-hmm. they weren't called the NDP at that time in Saskatchewan. <laughs> he kind of supports and it's kind of this parliamentary system having like the sway of smaller parties mm-hmm. um, be mm-hmm. able to like move the needle, even though this was obviously like supported by liberals uh, for a yeah. long time yeah. in Canada. Mm-hmm. But it was it was this kind of movement of uh, multiple parts at the same time timing was really important Mm -hmm. it required maybe pierre trudeau to be able to do it uh because he was (laughs) totally fine saying i don't care if you don't like the way i'm gonna do this but it's gonna happen anyway (laughs) (laughs) which got a lot done if we're if we're really looking at it It uh yeah and i think also important note like these are sort of three big figures but um uh there were notable conservative uh prime ministers as well in there and and they didn't they had maybe had different ideas about how to do it but there this was like a concern for many prime ministers uh, across the political spectrum about how do you the how do you address maintaining the health of your nation mm-hmm. um, they had different ideas about how to do it and that's i think that's also a big part of of what it is it's not but it wasn't just like conservatives who were not willing at all to do healthcare uh, yeah. a healthcare system like Brian Mulroney came in right after Trudeau and completely yeah. upheld it and clarified certain points about what provinces had to do and what they were supposed mm-hmm. to do but mm-hmm. it was it was an important step in clarification of having like an opponent say okay if we're going to do this exactly what has to be done <laughs> <laughs> yeah and, yeah and that's an important part of federal politics mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, the back and forth can feel like it took a really long time, but it also definitely shaped what we, we went through a lot of things. We're like, that won't work. And then getting to where you are now. So yeah, yeah, it can, it can provide a more enduring piece of legislation and a testament to how enduring it has been is how it has not been expanded necessarily no. since 1984. <laughs> um, and what is set it seems to be what is going to be set for uh, the foreseeable future in Canada. Yeah, there hasn't been uh, much success in moving the diet. There was a lot of talk of pharmacare in the last uh, the last election this fall, um, and and that seems to be the one that people sort of feel is probably the most movable. Like that could happen. Yeah. Um, it, there seems there's like 
uh, sort of say the same way that um, that the Canada Health Act and and sort of the stuff leading up to it had to get doctors on board and uh, convince them, um, and that there are points where doctors were more on board than they weren't hitting that right moment. The similar with the pharmaceutical industry. Um, there's a few reasons, mostly that it is also very complicated. Canadian uh, like releasing your drugs in Canada is is very difficult, and if this would make that easier, yeah. um, some pharma some some pharmaceutical companies are more on board with being supportive of it, and that'll help to move the dial. Yeah, but it's sort I mean, of an interesting point. Yeah, notably at a provincial level in Ontario, <laughs> the OHIP Plus that, came yeah. out uh, a few years ago, expanding yeah. uh, pharmaceutical coverage up till twenty four years of age from nineteen, yeah. I think it was. Um, so that was huge. Uh, but yeah. there's still a big gap between once you're old and when you're young. Uh, where the yeah. pharmaceutical coverage comes from. But yeah, and another interesting situation of, of provinces coming up with their own solutions, and maybe the more provinces you do, the more quickly you might be able to adopt something at a federal level. Mm-hmm. But I think also important to note is that um, pharmacare and dentistry and optometrists uh, as being part of uh, like what healthcare in Canada should be uh, is sort of also been at the beginning of this coverage, like even you know, since the 1930s, when this released, things started to kick off, like, it's always been a part of it. And then it just kind of got dropped, because it was easier to get the other stuff through. But it's, yeah. uh... And so there is some public funding, right, for Mm -hmm. dentistry and optometry through other social programs. So specifically, Mm -hmm. if you're on some social programs in Canada, then so like that. So as I said earlier in the pod, we have 70% Mm -hmm. covered, um, publicly and then the 30 percent, which is mostly eye care mm-hmm. dental care is covered through um private insurance or through social programs that mm-hmm. are for um uh vulnerable communities in canada and so most people don't pay very much for eye care dental care in canada yeah most of it is uh, covered yeah at, at, to i think some degree yeah, and the the only the risk, and I think this was sort of an interesting like uh, laying out why uh, sort of a universal healthcare system was uh, identified even in the early 1900s as being important, is that you can you can yeah you can create social systems that help the the very the working poor or, or the poor population at the time you could create those, and then you had the group of people who could pay, but the mm-hmm. people in the middle who are sort of doing well enough, but who the cost out of pocket for glasses or to take an emergency dental uh, appointment could really set you back immediately. Yeah. So it's those sorts of, yeah, you have to kind of figure out how to bridge that, that impact that we sort of said in creating healthcare uh, for like, for not for medically necessary as we've deemed it services. Like we've agreed that those things shouldn't hold us back, but what, uh, where do you kind of draw the line like on, on that sort of thing, I guess. Yeah. So on that note, I think this is probably a good spot to draw that line um, mm-hmm. for this episode of probably about politics. But uh, this is a new series that we're going to be doing um, talking about landmark legislation uh, and probably a lot of it's going to be, well, it's not really landmark legislation, but this is how this huge piece <laughs> of thing came to pass over 40 years. <laughs> <laughs> with different levels of government involvement and many different uh, prime ministers and provincial leaders and uh, different sectors probably involved. Um, so if there's mm-hmm. an interesting piece of legislature that uh, or legislation that you're interested in, uh, send us a tweet mm-hmm. at probpolitics, send us an email, probablyaboutpolitics at gmail.com, um, or just uh, 
you know, tell us in person, send us a text, send us a Facebook message <laughs> that you want us to cover yeah. that. And we yeah. will. And if there's something more in, I guess, Canadian healthcare that you want us to look at, we can do that as well. Cause I feel like there's a lot of wormholes we could have sort of dove deeper into, but uh, it's a good overview. Is this science news, Kaylee? Are you talking about wormholes today? Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know what a wormhole is. Ah. <laughs> uh. Never mind. Let's not. <laughs> uh, so, private politics aims uh, to address all five pillars of um, the Canada Health Act with our podcast. We try to be comprehensive uh, and portable, available on mm-hmm. all major podcast providers. Uh, accessibility, mm-hmm. you don't have to pay. We do this for free for you, and it's not even ad-supported. <laughs> it's just us out-of-pocket recording on a Sunday morning mm-hmm. for you. For, for free <laughs> just because we love it uh universality uh, kaylee how do we address that i guess everybody can listen it, yeah uh, look i would never say that somebody shouldn't listen uh, and we could be publicly administered <laughs> yeah i mean cbc give us a call uh we will put it up there <laughs> or the bbc like any national news network that wants to distribute us go for it uh anyway thank you for listening to probably what politics uh explains legislation we need a good name for this uh new segment. we'll get there um but <laughs> uh catch us on our next episode where we cover a an election uh we get back to some regularly scheduled probably about politics thank you for listening we love you all uh we love you all <laughs> <laughs>